We welcome you again to Weston Park Baptist Church for our virtual service. Uh, we're thinking right now of a variety of psalms called the Seasons for Our Lives. Of course, remember the Psalter was the Old Testament hymn book, if you like, a collection of hymns, statements of praise to God in all kinds of circumstances, and they were really the devotional core for the Old Testament. And in the New Testament church, uh, we of course use them as well, we bring them over. And in many of our churches, uh, a psalm is still read or sung every, uh, every Sunday. So a big part still of our, of our tradition. And we're beginning by looking at two psalms of orientation. Last week we looked at Psalm 8, which is a wonderful statement, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, begins and ends with that statement. And it's very, very clearly a psalm of orientation because it's all a statement of praise, direct praise to God uh, for his goodness, for his love, uh, for his sovereignty. God watches over our lives. No suggestion of anything being awry. But today we look at Psalm 62, which is also a psalm of orientation, meaning it has a strong sense of trust and confidence in God. God is our refuge, very strong sense of that. But at the same time, <clears throat> the psalmist is experiencing some trials. So his faith is not shaken, but it's written in troublesome times. So in some ways, maybe it's even more relevant to our lives today because in our COVID days, uh, in these new days of 2022, there are already challenges going around, on around the world, uh, you know, real tensions. Think of what's going on in Ukraine, um, other countries in that part of the world, tensions, economic challenges leading to strife, um, that's part of our world. And here with the new Omicron variant, we, we sense it certainly as well. So we're called to praise, but to recognize God's presence with us amidst the storm. So there, that's the different nuance in this Psalm, Psalm 62. So uh, we begin by reading uh, first few verses, for God alone my soul waits in silence, from him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall never be shaken. How long will you assail a person? Will you batter your victim, all of you, as you would a leaning wall, a tottering fence? Their only plan is to bring down a person of prominence. They take pleasure in falsehood, they bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. So I'm, I'm suggesting that the first part of this psalm is a recognition that God is our fount, or God is our source of life for us. And it's interesting, uh, in the verses 1, 2, and 4, it begins with a Hebrew word which emphasizes a statement of exhortation. So it would be like us saying, oh, or yay, listen up. So between, before verses one, two, and four, it begins with this, this word. So we have one, yay, 
for God alone my soul waits. Verse 2, yea, he alone is my rock and my salvation. And then in verse 4, it's yea, their only plan is to bring down a person of prominence. So the, the psalmist, the poet, is making a claim that God is there for me in the midst of, of what these challenges are. And it's interesting at the end of verse 4, it talks about with their mouths they, they praise. They, without, with, with their mouths they applaud me. And the idea, I think, behind that is the psalmist has these associates, these colleagues, perhaps even these friends who have uh, turned on him. There's duplicity here. And he is feeling the weight of that. If you've ever felt that sort of change, it's, it's, it's a painful piece. So God is there with me in these troublesome times, even when my friends have abandoned me, really. So God is my fount. God is my source of strength. And so in this first unit, God is my fount, God is my fountain, God is my source, there's this movement from anxiety to assurance. There's anxiousness over these changed relationships, but there's assurance that God is with me all the way through the challenges, all the way through the circumstances. God is there with me. And so, you know, we have a story in the Gospels of Jesus with his disciples out in a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and they are caught in a storm. If you remember that, the disciples are anxious, they're worried, these breakers are breaking over the boat. They really have a sense that in this smallish boat, not that wide, that it will be overturned by the waves and they'd be lost. But Jesus is there and Jesus is in the back of the boat and he's asleep. Jesus is not worried about this storm at all. In fact, he's tired. He's actually sleeping through the whole thing. Wow. And, and the disciples at one point get up and go back to him and they, they shake him and wake him up saying, Lord, are, are you not with us in the midst of all this? Look at this storm. And Jesus stands up and he calms the storm. And so in church history, in, in the artistic world, the, the boat, disciples in the boat, is a picture for the church, the church in the little boat of faith, out amidst the storms of this world. And the point of it is, is that Jesus is with us. God is with us. Psalm 62, New Testament, God the Father and his Son, Jesus, is with us. He is our friend. He is our brother. And he is with us amidst the storms. And so the invitation then is to trust and to depend and to lean on him who's with us in the storm. So with us now in the storms of COVID, storms that you are experiencing as a family with health and perhaps uh, economic questions, relational issues, God is with you, Jesus is with you in the boat of faith. He is there with you and he will not leave you or forsake you. So that's, that's the picture as this psalm begins. So yeah, there are hassles. But I have confidence that Jesus travels with me in my ship of faith. With you in your ship of faith. First part of the psalm. 
Second part of the psalm is, is God is not only my fount, God is my foundation. So we hear it in verses 5, 6, 7, 8. For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. You'll note here that verses 5 and 6 are essentially a repetition of verses 1 and 2. And then it changes up. On God rests my deliverance and my honor, my mighty rock, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. God is our foundation. So here again in verses 5 and 6, we have this Hebrew word saying, yay. So in 5, 6 it reads, here we go. Yea, for God alone my soul waits in silence. Then again, yea, he alone is my rock. Listen up. He is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. So God is with me. Maybe he's speaking to himself here. He repeats it again. Yes, Alan, wake up, listen. God is with me. He's with you in this situation. And then there's this repetition of these uh, characteristics of God, that he is our hope, he is our rock, he is our salvation, he is our fortress, he is my foundation, my firm foundation, I build my life on him, he is my solid rock. Just finished watching uh, The Lord of the Rings, the trilogy over the New Year's, invested nine long hours of my life watching these three films. And of course, many of you have seen it, 20 years old. The pictures of these castles and these castles built into the side of the rock, the face of the rock for solidity, for strength. Here it is. And you know, they feel like nothing can break through because of the fortress style of these castles. Indeed makes them very strong. I remember traveling in Jordan and we went to visit out in the desert the city of Petra and there's that famous picture of Petra you come through this narrow little cave and opening in the rocks and then it opens up to the big facade of the temple in Petra it's been used raiders of the lost ark used that uh, scene but it, it's used for strength and they, they, you know the builders built their <clears throat> castles there for that reason and so the psalmist is saying that as well. God is my rock, and not only is he my rock, <clears throat> he's a living cell within my body, if you like. It's, it's an organic reality. He is within me. And because he's within me, he is my foundation. So it's more than just standing on rock. He is organ organically living within me. That's the image here. It's so close. So as the unit goes on, we are not to be dissuaded by anything else. So in verse 10, interesting that it picks up in the issue of riches. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. So the psalmist is saying, don't be distracted by, by, by whatever, even wealth. Don't be distracted by it. If it actually happened, okay, but, but don't set your heart on it. Do not become distracted by stuff. Remember where your foundation is built on. That's where the psalmist is going out. And then in, in, in light of that, 
We go to him. So in verse 8, we go back, trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Pour out your hearts. So it's an encouragement to pray. It's an encouragement to converse with this God who lives within me, who abides within me. As we saw previously in the last few sermons, God is our friend, God is our brother. He is with us in the midst of it all. So pour out your hearts to him. Do not repress your feelings. Do not repress your emotions. Don't think that God isn't interested in the details of your life. What is the psalmist saying? Pour out your hearts. Well, pour out your hearts means that. You pour out everything that is concerning you. You you give it to God. You don't say, well, he's interested in this, but he's not interested in this. I mean, when you're pouring out your heart to someone, you just let it all out. Putting it into categories, you just let it go. And that's what the psalmist is saying. Let's do that with God. So that we do not live in the house of fear, but we live in the house of love. We don't live under the human overcast. We live under the horizon of hope. So the psalmist says. So can we trust in him? Lean on him. Recognize that he is indeed my firm foundation. He is my fount of life. Text goes on, those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. That's a beautiful poetic statement. But all the, you know, all the issues of the world on a scale, and, and it doesn't even register in light of who God is. So put no confidence in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. We read that. And then it ends with this powerful statement. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. It means like, okay, I want you to really listen up here. Once, twice I've spoken. First of all, that power belongs to God. And secondly, and steadfast love, the word kesed, belongs to you, O Lord. For you repay to all according to their work. So the psalm ends by saying, "I've I've got a final thing to say to you, which is really important. God is all-powerful, and God is all-living, loving. He is infinitely powerful, and he's infinitely loving. That's what the psalmist is saying. So I want you to hold on to that. God is powerful, and God is loving. He's with you. And so God is our fount. God is our foundation. And God is our source of life. He is a source of life. That's the third point. God, our life. All the stuff in the world, right, means nothing. Jesus says at another place, hey, man, you can have the whole world. What is that in comparison to your soul, which is eternal? The world is not eternal. It will fade. Even our great globe will fade. But we, having life in Christ, Christ, this organic cell within us, means that we already share in this eternal life. Devil doesn't want you to know that. The evil one doesn't want you to know that. And it's always telling, whispering in your ear, the only thing that counts now is now. The writers in Scripture recognize that, no, there is another perspective which is bigger. Don't sell out. Don't be like Faust, who gives away his soul just so he can have his 20 or 30 years of fame. There's something more important than that. 
One writer says, the way of men and women is to busy work, getting it done. We think enough work, enough money, enough power, enough knowledge, and we seem to think that anything can be accomplished. We can just do it if we have enough stuff, if we have enough resources. And so we fall into this issue of management and control. We, we, we think because I, I, I can't trust in God, I have to do it all on my own. So I just keep busy, 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 and I'll just keep all the balls in the air. But the psalmist is saying that, that that's not enough. That's not sufficient. That won't do it for you, really, because God is the one who has the power and God is the one who has love. So let's trust in his chesed, his steadfast love. Will we rely on him? God's mercy, God's love for you and for me as we begin this new year of 2022. God is our all-powerful God who can handle COVID, calls us to trust in him in the midst of this. And then God is this God who is loving, who is with you, will never leave you, never forsake you. Whatever 2022 brings, God is with us. So God is our fount, God is our foundation, God is our life. That's the message of this psalm. A psalm of orientation amidst the stress. So we're invited to keep looking to him. Another story from the New Testament. Remember Jesus in the town of Bethany after a long day and he goes back to his friend's house. He's in the house of Martha and Mary. And it's a great privilege to have Christ there and Martha, bless her soul, wants to uh, make a great meal for him. So she's busy with the meal, and her sister Mary is just sitting with Jesus and listening to him and wanting to be with him. And at some point, Martha just yells out, well, (laughs) Jesus, can't you see that I'm doing all the work? Tell my sister to come and help me. She's exasperated by the whole thing. But it's interesting, Jesus' response. Jesus' response is here, basically, Martha, you you have many distractions here on your mind. You're, You're bothered by much, but there's only one thing that is needed. And Mary has chosen the better part, and it won't be taken from her. So Jesus calls out to Martha, really, to kind of, wake up and see what's really going on. And you know, in in many churches over the years, this story has been told, well, there's two types of people. You can either be a Martha or you can be a Mary. And really the suggestion is that if what we need are more Marthas. And that's not what the point of this story is about at all. What the writer is saying is that, hey, what is most important in life? Kierkegaard's statement, to will one thing. And it's to spend time focused on Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's not to be focusing on all the other things. Martha, come and join your sister. And we'll fellowship together. Together we'll figure out the meal. We'll do that, but let's be together. Maybe what Jesus really needed, you know, in that moment was the fellowship of Mary and Martha, not the meal. He was being attacked on all sides and he wanted to be with some friends. 
Maybe that's what it's about. So will we indeed then seek one thing? Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount to ask, to seek, and to knock, to go to God in prayer, ask, seek, knock, and leave the answers to God. Your job, my job, is to ask, seek, and knock, to trust in him, depend on him. It's not my job to worry about the answers. It's not your job. We'll leave that to God. Our job is to go to him. Pour out your heart in prayer, verse 8. And so I pray that our, you know, our sitting with this psalm might be an encouragement because God remains our refuge as much today as in the time of David. He is there for us. He is our strength. He is our foundation. He is our life. May we hear that. May we receive it. In Christ's name I pray.